Okay, playtime's over. Nine to go. You won three out of four against Cincinnati. That's great. That's cool. But no more moral victories here. This is it. All right, let's go. Vamanos. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, it's Monday. Good morning. This is it. Only one more Monday left in the regular season for Major League Baseball. Ten days remain. Nine games to go. No game today. The Brewers are off. We're going to talk a little bit about the weekend. We're going to talk about what's ahead of the Brew Crew. And we're going to talk a little bit about baseball overall right now and looking at around the league. I'm Dominic Catronio. I'm the post-game host on Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. I'm also the statistician for Bally Sports Wisconsin. Let's talk about the Brew Crew. Holy cow. It was a great weekend, but still turned sour by losing Sunday. And as I said there in the tease, there was no time for moral victories anymore. Uh, The Brewers pitched well. They didn't hit well on Sunday. I am as equally... Confused and puzzled by Matt Bush continuing to give up home runs as a Brewer, but yet only allowing two runs should be good enough to win a ball game. And once again, a lefty shuts down the Brewers and a lefty rookie. He made one mistake, one mistake, the home run by Hunter Renfro yesterday. It's the same old song and dance. I saw that all over social media yesterday. That's why yesterday stings so much. And I wouldn't even consider it being like, oh, uh, you know, hang with them kind of game. Like, no, they should have won that game. The ball that hit Keston Hira, frustrating, but I'm not mad at Keston for that. He was doing the right baseball play. It just took a hotter hop than he was anticipating. And I'm also not in the camp that it was guaranteed the play was not going to be made by the shortstop. I think he would have maybe knocked that down and kept it on the infield. I'm not guaranteeing that was going to be a base hit or at least a, you know, a gapper for Tyrone Taylor. I'm not ready to guarantee that. But for... Keston getting hit by the play, he was trying to do the right thing of like, oh, I got to score if this gets through, and just got one step ahead of himself and didn't realize the ball bounced as high as it did, couldn't get out of the way. It is what it is, and that's what happens when you're a team in this situation. You're pressing. You need to make every little thing count, and the Brewers didn't make that one count. And then look at Rowdy Telez uh, later on in the seventh inning when Lodolo's out of the game. They use him as a pinch hitter. He hits a screaming liner right back to Derek Law. It knocks off his glove. He hit it so hard, and he turns into a double play. Right? That was the day it was yesterday. And even in a bullpen day, right, Aaron Ashby, the only run the bullpen allowed until the Bush home run was the nine-hole hitter bases loaded hit by pitch. That can't happen. When a team is chasing and you lose command of your fastball against the seven, eight, nine hitters, I know he's coming back from the IL. I know he's rusty. But quite frankly, it's just one of those things that the growing pains of development. A guy that had to be rushed up to the big leagues and rushed back from injury due to the fact that the Brewers don't have ready-to-go arms right now. They don't have many guys they can trust. They have guys that they have track records of performing, but here in August and September, it's been odd. It's been Matt Bush is a great example. Taylor Rogers has been really struggling this month. Brad Boxberger got it back together yesterday. He still gave up a ringing double that was a foot away from being a home run as well. So the Brewers have to put themselves in these situations where, you know what? Two innings of Freddie Peralta is better than no innings of Freddie Peralta. Or two innings of Aaron Ashby is better than no innings of Aaron Ashby. This is the situation and the predicament they're in in these final nine games of the season. Quick standings update. The good news is the Phillies lost. So they technically didn't lose any ground. However, 
they still have a long uphill climb. The Padres did win. So they move up to three and a half games clear of the Brew Crew uh, as things start today. That's with the tiebreaker. But the Brewers are a game and a half back still of Philadelphia, which is essentially two and a half games back. Philadelphia has 10 games remaining. The Brewers have nine games remaining. All three teams in this race are off today. So when you look at it, this week, the Dodgers are very much susceptible to losing as well. Okay, don't feel like this is over for them because they've got three games, their last three of the year against the Dodgers. And the Dodgers did just clinch home field advantage yesterday. Do they have much to play for? That's a fair criticism. But the Brewers are going to ask for some help from Los Angeles. If the Brewers can go 2-0 against the Cardinals, because quite frankly, going 1-1 ain't going to be good enough. If you go 1-1, you need to go 7-0 against the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. And more on them in just a little bit and why I don't think that's going to happen. And two, you also need, if the Dodgers sweep the Padres, let's say that happens. Dodgers sweep the Padres. And the Brewers go 2-0 against the Cardinals. And then they're getting ready for the Marlins on Thursday. And then they beat them. They go 3-0. Boom, it's flipped. They're tied virtually in record. But the Brewers don't have the tiebreaker. So then the final seven days, it could be topsy-turvy of whoever has the day at the last time. So these three games, keeping an eye on the Padres, are very important for the Brewers to time up with them. But when you talk about the Phillies, the Phillies have a very easy schedule remaining of these last 10 games. Tomorrow, they're in Wrigley. They got three games there against the Cubs. Then, over the weekend, they're in Washington. They got they got five games there. They've got a doubleheader coming on Saturday of, to make up from a rainout earlier in the season. So, again, the last place team in the NL East. And then they wrap things up. Uh, at the end of it all with the Houston Astros, and they're going to Houston for that. And I've teased this a couple of times in last week's pods, and like we talk about the issue of, oh, well, what are the Dodgers playing for? What are the Astros playing for? They'll have home field locked up by then. Uh, they're they're going to be the one seed in the American League, obviously. But the reason why I think there is still something to play for in that final series is because the Astros will be lining up their pitching. So they're not just going to sit their pitching, I, I don't think so in that they need to make sure, because these guys aren't going to face live hitters or live pitchers for a week because they have that first weekend bye. And the DS doesn't start until the following Tuesday. So a full week off doesn't exactly bode well for a team that's in the lead. And I look back at the 2007 Colorado Rockies, right? Steamrolling through the postseason, and then they win the NLCS too quickly and have to sit and wait for the Red Sox, and they lose all that mojo, and then the Red Sox come in and sweep them. I wonder if there is going to be a team that earns the buy and doesn't want it, right? If a team that a Yankee... Look, it's going to be the Yankees and the Astros in the American League, and it's going to be likely the Mets, depending on how it shakes up in this final week. They still have one more series head-to-head to the Braves and the Mets. The Mets and the Dodgers in the National League. Is one of those teams going to get shocked in the division series and blame the long layoff for the reason why they lost? I wonder if that's going to happen. So... Don't sleep on the fact that the Phillies have to face the Astros at the end of the year. And quite frankly, the Astros are the best team that nobody is talking about. Honestly, if if the season, you know, if season end today and I don't make postseason picks today, I'd be picking the Astros. I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I would pick the Astros to win the World Series right now. I think we're headed for a rematch. I think we're seeing Astros Braves for the exact reason I say with the Braves that they will be fresh. They can be they don't need that buy to get themselves going through it. They have enough elite pitching. They have enough bullpen. Sucks to not have Ozzy Albies, which certainly will make a huge impact here in the postseason. But I could see a rematch happening, and I'd pick the Astros to win the World Series right now. But hey, 
postseason doesn't start today. I digress. The Brewers have have two things going on this week. Number one, they need to win a lot of games. Plain and simple. Nine games to go, they can't be worse than seven and two to have any chance. Let's say the Brewers go seven and two, right? Philly would have to go no better than five and five. The Brewers would finish with 89 wins. The Phillies would finish with 88 wins. And you're saying that the Phillies are going to go 500 against the Cubs, the Nationals, and the Astros. That's a big ask. Then, if the Brewers go 8-1 and one down the stretch, then you're looking at potentially saying, oh, well, then the Phillies can still be above 500 and not make the postseason. Then the Phillies can go 6-4, and four, and the Brewers going 8-1 and one get themselves in with 90 wins versus 89 wins. You see what I'm saying? The margin for error is so razor thin. But then we go back to the other scenario we're talking about with the Padres, right? Both of those teams have nine games remaining. Let's say the Brewers start 3-0, and and the Padres start 0-3 with their series coming up against the Dodgers. That will put the Padres at 85 wins and the Brewers at 85 wins, meaning whoever wins more of the final six games gets in. They would be tied in record, but knowing San Diego has the tiebreaker, whoever wins more of the final six would get in. These are the dramatics. This is what you're looking for. But again, it requires wins for the Brewers. And I'm going to explain why that's going to be difficult coming up here in this rotation segment coming up in just a second. I want to tell you about our friends at LinkedIn. These days, every potential new hire can be like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is so easy to find jobs as a prospective job interviewee to try to find out, man, oh, they're hiring. Oh, they're hiring. I went through this a couple years ago. LinkedIn is so simple to find out who is hiring. There are screening questions for you going through your job application process. It's easy to focus on the right candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So right now, LinkedIn Jobs wants to help you find the qualified candidates you actually want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. Once again, linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking ahead at the projected rotation for the Brewers and a couple of the opponents looking ahead to them. Now, at the time of recording, the Cardinals had not published their rotation, but I'm just going off days of rest here and looking ahead. Fangraphs and the roster resource tool are phenomenal. If you haven't checked out Fangraphs, what are you waiting for? I pay for my subscription. You should too. They do amazing work. I digress. This week, tomorrow, Adrian Hauser gets the ball. This is official from the Brewers. Adrian Hauser gets the ball tomorrow against tentatively, it looks like, it would fall on his day, Miles Michaelis. Then on Wednesday, it would be Brandon Woodruff going up against uh, Jack Flaherty, who's back off the I.L., which, I mean, it sounds like everything's all systems go for him, and he's been throwing it well from uh, what we've heard from St. Louis. So those two games are like, man, Michaelis, pretty good. He shoved it against the Brewers last time he saw him. Flaherty, you don't know what you're going to get, but when he's on, the Brewers have seen it when he's on. As for the Marlins coming to town, Eric Lauer will get the ball on Thursday tentatively and assuming that he comes back healthy after these last couple of days. Lauer would get the ball Thursday in a limited role. And then Friday, it would be Corbin Burns against Sandy Alcantara. 
There's one of the games that you got to circle, like, ooh, Sandy Alcantara and what will be his second to last start of the year. That dude's going to come out pitching mad. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do against Sandy Alcantara. Freddie would get the ball on Saturday on normal rest, and then Adrian Hauser would finish up the series against the Marlins on Sunday. Now we go to a week from today, the final series against the Diamondbacks. Brandon Woodruff getting the ball in game number 160, and tentatively, as of now, based on days of rest, Zach Gallen would get the ball for the Diamondbacks in the opener of that series here in Milwaukee. We all saw what, the, what Zach Gallen did to the Brewers last time they faced him at Chase Field. He's going to sneak in with some Cy Young votes, y'all. He could finish top five in Cy Young at this rate. He's been the best pitcher in the second half in baseball, and it's not close. Go look at the numbers. I'm dead serious. He's been the best pitcher in the second half. Better than Alcantara, better than Urias, better than Gonsolin. He's been that good. So right there, that's another ace that you have circled. And I just told you, you got to be 7-2, and 8-1 and one down the stretch here. That's barring an absolute meltdown from either the Padres or the Phillies, which you can never bank on. You've got ace tomorrow with Michaelis. Former ace coming back into form with Jack Flaherty. You got Alcantara lurking over the weekend. You got Gallon lurking a week from today. And you're probably going to see uh, one of the lefties, one of uh, Tommy Henry for the for the Diamondbacks, or you're going to see a rookie who you have no tape on in Dre Jameson. I mean, it's not going to be easy, right? You're not just yes, you see the records of the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, but we talked about. I mean, the, the Diamondbacks just punched the Brewers in the mouth, taking three out of four in Arizona. The Marlins can't hit, but they can pitch. The Marlins cannot hit for a lick. Avi Garcia is hurt right now, so a little bit of a spoiled reunion for him, but he's been a uh, a bad signing for them. Remember, I remember, I have some receipts on some of y'all complaining, why don't we re-sign Avi? Why don't we re-sign Avi? And I'm not trying to dunk on all y'all, but look, you could have seen it. Dude strikes out a ton, plays good defense, but he has a cannon for an arm, and wait a minute, they got Hunter Renfro. You know, it all worked out as it was supposed to. Renfro's a lot cheaper than paying what Avi, what he got, to play in a ginormous ballpark at Marlins Park. Anyway, that's, this isn't meant to dunk on the Marlins, who, by the way, news leaked late last night that Don Mattingly is planning to step away from the Marlins at the end of the year. He was telling team officials yesterday, which, uh, good for Donnie Baseball, man. Get out of there. You know, you did your best. Things got weird. Derek Jeter left, and it's been weird down there in Miami, but tip your cap. Maybe they can figure it out soon, but... Donnie Baseball sounds like he's going to be on the way out of Miami, which will be another odd weekend for him coming up here to Milwaukee as he's uh, kind of in a lame duck session as a manager for Miami. The Brewers have their work cut out for them, to say the least, coming up here with Alcantara and Gallon lurking in the wings. And the other thing is that the Brewers, look, you got two starts from Hauser, you got two starts from Burns. They're really, if you ask, oh, somebody's got to go on short rest, I, I, I don't see it happening because, let's be honest, if the Marlins offense is as bad as it sounds, you should be able to get by with a bullpen day from Freddie, Hauser, uh, Freddie Peralta, and Adrian Hauser should be able to get the job done against that lineup on Sunday. Which then, on normal rest, you have the three guys that you want. You have Woodruff going in the first one, Lauer going on the second one, and Burns pitching on the last day of the season as it stands right now based on normal rest. I know Woodruff has been more consistent than Burns, and we talked about that on the postgame show over the weekend. But at the end of the day, you still need to make sure you get to game 162. So the guys that pitch game 159 and 160 are just as important as 162. And this could shake out pretty well for the Brewers if they win and put themselves in that position. Having Woodruff in virtually each of those last three games next week 
will be do or die if you lose your outs because it will be that thin of a margin by that time of the season. To have Woodruff go to keep you alive, then Lauer go to keep you alive with the bullpen ready to go behind him. And then you say, hey, Corbin, here you go, man. Let her rip. You can go as long as you want. Sign me up if the Brewers can get there. It's setting up okay, but they need to conquer some demons against some really good pitching coming up in this final week of the regular season. We got a little more to talk about. I want to look around the bigs right now, remind you about who's hot, who's not, talk a little bit about the Brewers' offense over the weekend against the Reds. More on that in just a second. Milwaukee had somebody different step up every day, aside from yesterday, of course. Thursday night, the Colton Wong game, that was epic. Three-homer night, really, really fun to watch. Then on Friday, it was Andrew McCutcheon getting RBI number 1,000, also really fun. Saturday, Hunter Renfro, two-homer game for him. Yesterday, he hits another homer, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, he's back to July Hunter Renfro, but the rest of the team didn't step to the plate. They were just one for four with runners in scoring position yesterday. I'm not so mad about the one. I'm more mad about the four. They only gave themselves four at-bats with a runner in scoring position, which is why they lost the game yesterday. In fact, the one hit was the base hit that Tyrone Taylor gets credit for when his ball hit Keston Hira. So it didn't even produce a run, that one hit with a runner in scoring position. It's been that kind of a year for the Brew Crew. It's same old, same old, like we talked about earlier in the show. But I tweeted this, that, oh my gosh, July Renfro is back. July Renfro had an OPS of 961. It was his best month of the season. He had six homers, three doubles. He still struck out a ton. He still struck out 16 times. And in August, I didn't realize how much he walked in August. He had his best on-base percentage in August of any month. He drew 14 walks in August. He's not really a guy that draws walks. He's tried to carry that over here into September and October. He's got seven walks so far here in the month in 22 games, but... Not ex- it's more like his normal season-long mean. But four homers now, three of them in the last two days is nice. Can he channel into another guy that can carry the offense like he looked like he was in July? Because Rowdy's running out of gas, man, if he hasn't already. Rowdy's down to a two twenty batting average. He needs some protection in the lineup, and maybe they're going to consider flipping it because Yelich leading off, then he got Willie, then he got Rowdy, which makes perfect sense right for the lefty-righty platoons, but... It might be the point to put Renfro, uh, keep Renfro right behind Rowdy, and maybe you put Kutch in the three-hole. They got to get creative. They're trying to put protect Rowdy with Hunter Renfro, but Rowdy is also a ground ball double play risk. The top of the order went 0 for 12 yesterday, so there's there's only so much you can say. Oh, that's the reason why this is that. This is that. Eh. They had a bad day yesterday. I want to see Rowdy get going. Maybe this off day today allows him to hit the reset button and get things going back in the right direction. He's still got 33 home runs, man. I mean, you cannot ignore the fact that this dude's got a career-high in homers, a career-high in games played, playing every day for virtually the first time in his career. Heck, he had a day off yesterday with a lefty on the mound, and he still comes into the game, right? He has played in so many contests. And Willie, yes, he went 0-4 yesterday. He's been carrying the team this month. He's got a 30-30 season. 30 doubles, 30 homers. 31, actually, apiece. I shortchanged him there. 243 batting average, an OPS right around 800. He's doing his job to keep the Brewers in it while playing great defense for Milwaukee. But he needs some help. And we saw that happen on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, picking him up. But then all the guys that picked him up went cold yesterday. So who's going to be the next guy in line to step up and help the Brew crew here down the stretch? Now, at the time of recording, the uh, Yankees and Red Sox, switching into a all-baseball look of things, 
The Yankees and Red Sox were in a rain delay, and they actually completed that game early with it being the last game of the year head-to-head between Boston and New York. They said, you know what? We're done with six innings. This game's over. So Aaron Judge is still sitting on 60 home runs. He did hit a double in that game last night, but we saw Albert Pujols hit number 700. Thank goodness he's not going to do it in Milwaukee now this week. Um, But when you look at the historic races right now across baseball, or just the incredible final week that it's shaping up to be with Aaron Judge trying to hit number 61 and 62. Pujols has accomplished number 700. Oh, by the way, don't forget about Shohei Otani, who's got a a race for a 30-double, 30-homer season. He's got 34 homers. His OPS is hovering right around 900. Oh, you want to ask how's he doing his pitching? Well, he's qualified as both both a pitcher and as a hitter. He's got a 2.47 ERA. He's going to pitch this week. Looking at him as a, a league leader in a, across a ton of categories right now. Uh, right now in the American League, oh, I got to switch back over to the American League. I mean, Major League Baseball. In the American League, Otani is currently fourth in homers. Jordan Alvarez and Mike Trout both have 37. Yeah, Mike Trout has 37 bombs. And he missed most of the year. I saw a crazy stat, another one of those, oh, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani did something historic, but the Angels lost the game. It was one of those stats, again, from the weekend. You know, the tungsten arm duel, whatever that tweet was. I always laugh at that every time I see it. But, yes, Aaron Judge is stealing all the headlines, and he's still got a shot at the Triple Crown. He's tied with Xander Bogarts for batting average. Luis Arise is right there one point back. Then Judge with 60 homers, 128 RBIs. The only question is, is he going to win in batting average? Because he's going to win an on-base percentage. He's going to win in slugging. He's going to win an OPS. This could be one of the all-time seasons you're watching from Aaron Judge. Oh, by the way, he's got the third most hits in the American League. And he's a power hitter. We are seeing incredible baseball as the playoffs shape up. Another crazy thing that happened yesterday, just looking around box scores around baseball, did you see the the Royals and the Mariners game yesterday? Did you hear about this? At one point, the Mariners were up 11-2 heading to the bottom of the sixth inning. They had an eight-run fifth. Heading to the bottom of the sixth in Kansas City, they allowed 11 runs to score. It was suddenly 13-11. They lost 13-12. It was something like 800 straight games that a team had at least an eight-run lead that had won for Major League Baseball history, and boom, that streak is over thanks to an 11-run sixth inning. And get this, they scored 13 runs, they only hit one home run to the Royals, and it was a two-run shot. That's it. Doubles and walks is how they got the job done. They drew seven walks uh, against the Mariners. Oh, by the way, uh, Seattle also drew eight walks. But when you look at the American League wild card, it's just about positioning at this point. Toronto's looking like they're safely in. They're two and a half games clear of Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is only a half game up on Seattle right now. And Baltimore, they're on the outside looking in. They're four, essentially five games back. Uh, of a playoff spot because Seattle has a tiebreaker. The White Sox are officially eliminated as Cleveland clinched the Central, so all the division winners are set in the American League. They're virtually set here in the National League. If the Brewers go 2-0, though, against the Cardinals, they delay them celebrating for another day and keep them from celebrating on American Family Field. The Brewers need to go 2-0. If they lose one game, the Cardinals get to celebrate because they'll lose the tiebreaker, and the Cardinals actually only have eight games remaining, which means the Brewers have no way of catching them mathematically. Anyway, the American League is going to get crazy. The National League, all that's left is the Brewers, Padres, and Phillies to figure out who wants it. And technically, I guess, the National League East. Double-checking that standings right now. The Mets are a game and a half clear of the Braves. they still got one more series head-to-head coming up next weekend. (sighs) 
This is the best time of year, right? Fall is in the air. Football is getting going. I know you want to jump ship right now. Packers won a big one yesterday. Bucks media day was yesterday. Well, hey, the Badgers got boat raced by Ohio State. All right, just just give us another 10 days of your time. If they get in, awesome. It's easy to root for playoff baseball. If they don't get in, we'll have a whole winter to talk about what went wrong and what to look forward to in 2023. Let's have a fun week of recap pods. Off day today, though, so we'll be right back here tomorrow, first thing in the morning, for a preview of what's to come, a little more in-depth for what the Brewers need to do and looking ahead at the other series for the other teams. All right, that's it for this one. Thank you for listening. I'm Dominic Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.